Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Jeremy and I appreciate your prayers for us as um, we were in Israel um, with Crossover Global. It was a uh, trip that was for um, donors for Crossover and and so I was hosting the trip and Jeremy was leading worship and it was Jeremy's first time in Israel so it was fun watching him experience and enjoy Israel and uh, we actually roomed together and we walk into the room and we you know we asked for twin beds and but the way they do twin beds over there they're like this and uh, we quickly rearranged the whole room so that they were like this and um, and I did that for Jeremy's sake. But uh, anyway, we, we just had, it was just a, a great time. And, uh, and I appreciate uh, your prayers. And I did pick up something on the international flight. You're just breathing everybody else's germs, you know. Um, and, uh, but it, I got through it and it was fine. And, and uh, I think half the group when they got home had COVID. So uh, it, was, uh, it was one of those trips, but uh, it was exciting to, uh, there's always, they're always discovering new things. Um, in fact, when I was, you know, we had a group from Gateway there last fall and uh, <clears throat> I saw some things uh, on this trip that they had just discovered two weeks ago. And so they're always finding new things there. That's what makes it exciting to continue to go back and, and see what uh, is being revealed that just continues to give credibility and confidence of God's word, that it is true. And there's archeological evidence that backs it up, supports it. Um, and, and every time they turn over a shovel of dirt, they find, seem to find something else that proves that this word is true. And I remember several years ago, I was uh, meeting with a young man and was witnessing to him, talking to him. Um, he grew up in church, uh, but he just did not seem to have interest in spiritual things. And so I was trying to connect with him. I asked him, I said, so tell me what you get excited about. And he was deep into politics and all these things. And, and he, uh, he says, well, I, I carry around with me a copy of the United States Constitution. And uh, he says, it's such a dear thing to me. I said, okay. And he said, every time I read it, I just have tears in my eyes. And as I just sat and listened to him, I thought, you're, you're allowing deep emotions be stirred in you with what man's laws are. I wish you could get to that place where you were stirred, stirred even deeper about what God has to say about his laws, because this is going to withstand the test of time. Even long after that constitution becomes an ancient document and maybe our country's not even here anymore, this is still here. The Bible says of itself, heaven and earth can pass away, but not this. This withstands 
everything because it's God's word. So we're going to continue our series in the Psalms for the summer. And today we're going to be looking at Psalms 93. But I want to lay a foundation out of the New Testament to build upon that just gives even more credibility what we're going to read in Psalms 93. 93 is just five verses. Uh, it was a short hymn that was written. And um, so let me just begin with a few statements. God has the right to exercise authority over his creation. He has that right. <clears throat> so let's take some fundamental truth out of the New Testament so that we can fully grasp this right that God has. In John chapter one, the first five verses, it says in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. So as far back as man can think in the beginning, Jesus was already there. He already existed. And so in the beginning, the word already was there. The word was with God. So there was a special relationship, an eternal fellowship in the Trinity. And God and, and John added that the word was God. You know, the Jehovah Witnesses translate this as the word was a God, which is incorrect. It's not correct with the language. Others have translated it that the word was divine. And that's too ambiguous. That's not correct either. And it leads to a faulty view of who Jesus really is. So if this verse is correctly understood, it helps to clarify the doctrine of the Trinity that the word is eternal. The word is in relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Verse two, he existed in the beginning with God. So the word, Jesus, has always been in fellowship with God the Father. So God, Jesus, was always in fellowship with God the Father and God the Spirit. So Christ did not at some point come into existence. Christ at some point didn't go into a relationship with God the Father. They have an eternity past together. So both Jesus and both the Father and the Holy Spirit are all God, but they're not three different gods. The Bible says that's hard for us to understand. <clears throat> that's difficult for the human mind to grasp that. Verse three, God created everything through him and nothing, absolutely nothing was created except through him. <clears throat> so God is eternal. And he is the creator of all things. And the word Jesus was the agent of his creation. And all creation was made by Jesus in relationship to the Father and this, and this Holy Spirit. And Jesus, Jesus came to reveal 
the Father. In fact, the work of the revealing of the Father began at creation. Creation reveals God. Romans chapter 1. If you've seen creation, you're a person without excuse because it reveals God. Verse 4. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. You know, life is an individual's most important asset, right? If you don't have life, what is there? There's nothing. So life is your most important asset. And to lose life is tragic. John affirmed that the, in the ultimate sense, life is only found in Christ. So our spiritual and our physical life both come from him. He gave us physical life. He gave us spiritual life. And Jesus is the source of all life. And uh, light is actually commonly used in the Bible as an emblem of holy God. And darkness is... Uh, commonly used to denote death or ignorance or even sin. <clears throat> in verse 5, <clears throat> it says, the light shines in the darkness. Now here, John actually gives almost a personality to darkness. He says, and the darkness can never extinguish it, extinguish it even though it tries. The darkness has been trying to extinguish the light of Jesus since the beginning. When Adam and Eve were created in the image of holy God, Satan came along and tried to extinguish the light in them. When Jesus lived on the earth, Satan tried to extinguish life in him. Now that you and I are on this planet, Satan is always trying to extinguish the light of Jesus in you. He's always doing that, always working at that. Light has invaded this dominion of darkness. And Satan and his crowd, they will always resist the light. That's why Christianity is the one religion that is always attacked. Have you ever noticed how in society you can talk about all these other religions and it's okay, but you talk about Christianity and it changes? And the reason why Christianity is always attacked is because it's Satan trying to extinguish the light and the light is Jesus Christ the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it although it will try in Colossians 1:17, just another word about Jesus he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together 
Even today, Satan, uh, Satan who's trying to extinguish the light, Satan who's always in opposition to Jesus, Jesus holds all creation together. All the stars, everything that can be seen, everything we don't see, even our own life, he is holding this world together. He is sovereign. So now we're going to get into Psalms 93. And we're going to see the sovereignty, the sovereign rule of holy God. Especially in the affairs of nations. Psalms 93 glorifies God's eternal universal kingdom, which is administrated by his son, Jesus. Don't ever think that Jesus is not in control. Don't ever think that. He is always in control. He holds it all together. <clears throat> Nothing is more powerful than the Lord. Nothing is more steadfast than his reign. And nothing is more sure than his revelation. So I, I need, personally, a, a regular reminder of the sovereignty of God. Especially when this world becomes more and more uncertain. And as our culture in which we live becomes more and more perverted from this, I need a reminder that God is still sovereign. God is still sovereign. So let's get into Psalms 93. <clears throat> the Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken because of who the Lord is. Your throne, O Lord, has stood from time immemorial. You yourself are from the everlasting past. So, number one, God is sovereign. Absolutely sovereign. The psalmist foresaw that God, the Lord was reigning majesty uh, on the earth and he was armed with strength. <clears throat> so the clothing in the Old Testament usually was considered an extension of a person. The colors that they wore often identified the role that they played. In fact, certain colors like royal colors were only allowed to be worn by, you know, the king and, and uh, his court or his family. And uh, that that was reserved solely for him. And so we see this, that God is robed in majesty. It describes the Lord's majestic and powerful reign that he has. And also by the rule that he rules the whole earth, which is firmly established. What this means is that all of the moral and legal orders of life will be solidified under his dominion. Don't forget that. Even when it seems like things are out of order, and even when it seems like things have been twisted, ultimately God's rule will stand. Absolutely stand. 
And since his throne was established in eternity past, his reign on earth is assured. In fact, an exclamation of the Lord's universal reign over the earth from time of creation and forever. That's what this psalm is. Verse 3. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. You know, if you ever walked on the beach, there are some places that, on a trip to Hawaii, uh, we went to visit the northern shore. And that's where they had the massive waves. And um, they, there were certain sections they would not even allow you to walk on the beach that the waves were so powerful that you could be walking along the beach, a wave could come crashing down on you and just suck you right out into the ocean. That's how powerful it could be. And, uh, and especially when the ocean is churned up, oh my goodness, it is just overwhelming. And so when we read this, we really realize that God is mightier than even that. So here's the lesson. God is sovereign, but God is greater than your circumstances. It's like these waves demonstrate your circumstances and how sometimes life circumstances are just pounding on you. Whether it's emotional or physical or relational or financial, whatever it is, is sometimes, you know, life is calm and everything's great. And then all of a sudden a storm hits and the waves are just overwhelming. And, you know, a lot of you, you're, you know, you've already made your trip to the beach and some days you walk out on the beach and it just seems like the ocean's flat. And then some days you walk out there and say, no, nope, I'm not going in that. I mean, it looks terrifying. Well, the psalmist is describing that that's the way it is with your life. And sometimes life is calm, everything's okay, but sometimes a storm hits and it is overwhelming. And he wants you to know that the sovereign God is greater than your circumstances. That's a praise God moment. In fact, when you have those storms and when they hit with all its fury, that's a good time to stop and say, God, I know I'm going to be okay because you're still Lord. I mean, even the guys that walked with Jesus, you know, a week ago, Jeremy and I were in a boat out on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it was really calm and quiet. But then we talked about when there was a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples were scared to death. And Jesus was in the boat with them. And he was sound asleep. Why, why was he sound asleep? In fact, his disciples woke him up and said, don't you even care that we're about to drown? And Jesus, you know, Jesus kind of like, I mean, goodness, guys, I was sleeping pretty good there. And, and, and you wake me up just to remind you that you still don't know who I am. And then he 
said a word and the sea just went flat. You see, God's calm in your storms. And that's your clue. God never frets over storms because he's Lord over those storms. God is greater than your circumstances. No matter how stormy the nations on earth may become, God is still on his throne. And God is not frustrated by foolish words and deeds of, quote, great leaders who are only made of clay. This is another way of God saying, don't lose sleep over Putin. Don't lose sleep over that guy in North Korea. Don't lose sleep over what some nation may do or not do. I'm sovereign and I'm even Lord. I'm greater than the circumstances this world is going through. Do not focus on the threats around you, but rather focus on the throne that's above you. So when the world goes crazy, and it gets there quite often, and the history of the world shows us that, you just remind yourself, God, your word is greater than all the circumstances our nation is facing right now. Your word is greater than all the scary stuff that's happening in our world. Your word is greater than that. There's always gonna be wars and rumors of wars. You've told us that. And you've told us that before you come back, it's gonna increase. So if I believe your word that it's going to increase, I can also believe your word about what's going to happen after it increases. You're going to come back. And you're going to set things straight. And you're going to be on the throne of the, of the universe and of this world. In fact, you already are. You know... Um, in the Old Testament, many times, God would raise up a pagan nation in order to chastise and discipline his own people. He would allow them to be conquered and taken into slavery to get their attention. I believe sometimes even today, God raises up pagans to try to awaken his people. Because when God, let me tell you what happens. When the craziness starts and the crazy thinking and the things that begin to take place in our country, God's not looking in the White House. God is not looking in Congress. God is not looking at the Supreme Court. God is looking at his church. And he's looking at his believers. And he's looking at their prayers that they're praying so that he might operate through those prayers. God is looking at us. At what are we going to do? 
Are we going to humble ourselves before him? Are we going to stand firm on the truth of his word? God is greater than your circumstances. God is greater than the circumstances that we're going on in, that are going on in our country right now. God is greater than the circumstances going on in the world right now. The last verse, verse 5. Your royal laws cannot be changed. Cannot. Never will happen. Will never be changed. Your reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. So God is sovereign. God is greater than your circumstances. And God always keeps his word. So when God says, greater is he that's in you than he's in the world, he keeps that word. When God says, I will give you everything that you need when you need it, God keeps his word. When God says, I will sustain you in your difficult times, God keeps his word. When God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, God will always keep his word. When God says, anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, God keeps his word. I can trust holy God. God always keeps his word, always and always will. Because the house of the Lord is filled with the holiness, with holiness, God's holiness, God's commandments are sure. Holiness is the quality that sets the Lord apart from all others. And it is made known through his power. So this psalm has praised God's power. And because he rules in power and in holiness, everyone is to follow his commands. Because God's rule over the earth is stable and unshakable, and because his revelation given through scripture is trustworthy, we're to look to that. Here's the truth. The truth about what's going on in the world is not in the news or social media, but in the holy word of God. If you really want to know the truth about what's happening in the world, turn off the news and turn on the good news. This book talks about what's going to happen in detail. It tells us People will become lovers of self and haters of God. It tells us that. It tells us that people will say what is good is evil and what is evil is good. It's going to reverse things. It tells us that. I don't need the news to tell me that. It's right here. So instead of going to the world's news, go to the God's news. And that's where you'll find confidence. And security when everything else is insecure. When I go to the daily news, it just does nothing but raise my blood pressure. (laughs) Cause me to have sleepless nights. 
But when I focus on the good news, I sleep like a baby. Totally like Jesus in the boat in the middle of a storm. You see, the disciples looked at the weather. Jesus was Lord of the weather. So here's some closing thoughts. God used pagan countries to discipline Israel. So if God is sovereign, and he is, maybe he's chastising us as a country by allowing ungodly people, people who do not fear him, to control our country with their wickedness, maybe. Satan has and always will attack God's word and try to pervert it. The first time he did it was in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter three. The very beginning with Adam and Eve, he tried to twist and pervert God's word. When he tempted Jesus three times, <laughs> the word, I mean, that just shows you how dumb the guy is. He tried to twist Jesus's words on himself because Jesus was the word. And he, Satan is always taking God's word and trying to twist it and pervert it and manipulate it. And people fall for that. So my question to you is this. How has God's word been corrupted in your life? What twisted lie have you chosen to believe? And the way you find the answer to that question is you humble yourself before sovereign God and you say, Lord, if there's any way that the, your word has been twisted in my thinking and I've bought into a lie that seems plausible and seems like the truth and, and seems like the light, but it's not the light. Reveal to me in any area that I have bought into a twisted perversion of your word. Because Satan is always trying to twist God's word against you. That's why sometimes it sounds plausible because it has just enough of God's word to seem right, even though it's not. But because God is sovereign, you have really nothing to fear. Not the past, because it's been forgiven. Not now, because he's with you. And not tomorrow. He's already gone before you. So my challenge to you today is this. Focus on the sovereignty of God. Focus on his holiness. And work on your holiness. 1 Peter 1.16 for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. So think about and focus on the fact that God is sovereign. That means he's over everything, Lord of everything. Focus on his holiness 
and then work on your holiness. And the only way you can work on your holiness is by taking your life and examining it through the, the, the magnifying glass of this word and you make corrections through the help of the Holy Spirit. When you find things in here that the Bible says that is contrary to you, then you deal with it. <clears throat> you focus on it. I was on a family reunion the last couple of days, and um, it was Mary's family who had like 35 people we were feeding. And, um, and my job was to take them all out on the boat and bring them all back. One time I had 14 people on the boat. We got back with 14 people, and I said, all right, everybody's back, but I would have been okay if it was just 13. And... Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, that was my job, get them all back. But I was talking to one of our family members and we were just sitting there talking and they always want to ask me the, the you know, Bible questions. And, and so one of them, we sat down, we talked and he said, all right, do good people go to hell? Well, that's a big question, right? I said, well, first of all, the Bible says, go there. Jesus said, no one's good. He said, well, I, I know a lot of good people. I said, yeah, well, if you compare them to other people, maybe, yeah, they look good because you're trying. I mean, I can always find somebody that makes me look good. But when I, that's not how God does the comparison. It's what he says. And, and he said, well, I, I don't understand. I said, well, you think you're a good person? He said, yeah, I think I'm a good person. I said, all right, let me ask you this. Have you ever told a lie? And he said, well, yeah, I've told a lie. I said, okay, so you're a liar. <laughs> I said, have you, have you ever stolen anything? Like even as a kid, did you steal some stuff? And he said, well, yeah, I did steal some stuff. I said, okay, so you're a thief. So we've established you're a lying thief. You still think you're good? Yeah, I don't think I want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> so, don't compare your goodness, your holiness to other people. Compare it to this. Work on your holiness. Let's pray.